I feel that chemistry is a very interesting thing. And you can only gain that chemistry through conversation, through a connection that you have with someone that you're willing to have on a regular basis and grow it. I can tell you that I can sense that chemistry between Sean McCoy and I. Sean's an awesome guy, and I love his podcast, Come to the Table. I think it reflects very similar values and ways of looking at the world that we have. So when we connected through an awesome community of people and spot a guest, I knew that Sean was somebody that I wanted to have on my show. I'm looking forward to being on his show. And I think you'll find that it's kind of a stream of consciousness that we had during our conversation today, which touched a variety of topics and points. So without further ado, I introduce to you Sean McCoy. So we're good, man. How are you today? Man, I wish I could. I wish I could tell you that I've been doing. I was doing a better job of, <laughs> of, of uh, 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 sorry, I'm just trying to fix all this stuff of um, managing my time. But I have to apologize. I just, I just did not today. Today was oh, just it's not. Okay. It was just not, uh, not good, man. So I, I apologize for being a little bit uh, out of sync. I'm a few minutes late. I'm usually a little better than this. I mean, it's not odd for four minutes, but I hate being late, man. I hate doing it, and I just. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, yeah. So anyway, we're good, man. We're good. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's all good, man. I'm very flexible. I mean, I love being, um, I don't you know, sometimes when people, like, they get very irritated by stuff like that. I just try not to get irritated by things. I appreciate it. You know, it. I was like, and I want to be, I always tell, like, my daughter, I'm like, you know, there's there's times in life to be angry and irritated. And usually for her, most of it is not valid, <laughs> you know, for a little kid. I mean, it, it, and even, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those things that I just, on a personal level, just want to, just want to do better at. You know, I typically am pretty even keeled. I think a lot of it too is my two oldest are texting, they're they're fighting right now, which is one of those wonders of parenting. There you so go. I'm not home. My wife's not home. There's they're each texting each of us while the other one is they're texting each other, and we're it's just. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm just in my head. I'm just like I'm like stop talking. I'm like just let it go. We'll be home. Are you not gonna? She's 21. He's 16. So it's just. Oh man! Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're, just, <laughs> you know what I mean. So you're just like, okay, okay, it's gonna be okay. To your point, I'm trying to tell them it's gonna be, and they're just ready to rumble and. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's it so takes time, I think, in life to develop that over time. It's like everything in your world is so important and so <laughs> incredibly like um, dramatic, you know. Yeah. And I try just to be like, I don't know, I'm gonna save that for when something really goes down. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and it's, yeah, and then, you know, like, stuff like this, you know, I mean, I, I just, I've been on this streak of podcasts, and then, you know, it, it just, what it, whether it's listening to them, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, recording them, um, you know, and there's all, it just, to your point, like, this wonderful stuff, and amazing stories, and people, and uh, perspectives, and just these, you know, these beautiful moments of growth, and and then I got these two arguing about, you know, that she looked in his room while he was, <laughs> all, you know, and I'm just in my <laughs> I'm like I'm a failure. I'm like I'm a failure as a parent. Like I, 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 like you need to listen to you need to listen to Gary. That's who you need to listen to. You know, <laughs> Gary Sadler. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like it's gonna be okay, man. It's are you here? Let me. You know, I didn't have these people on, uh, so it's just it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> well, tell me about your journey in podcasting. I am fascinated. 
I came to you through Spot a Guest, and yeah. I was drawn by the title of your podcast to come to the table. I saw, oh, man, this is, I just, it feels very homey. I like that. And then as I started talking to you as, and, and listening to your podcast, I said, there's, there's a lot of meat here, a lot of information. So tell me a little bit about that. No, and that's, and that's really a big, uh, that's intentional. I think, you know, I, I feel very, very blessed that you're going to say that. That's the, that's the feeling you get because I want that for not only the listeners, but for those that are coming to the table, you know, the, that, that premise, I think if you look throughout time, whether you want to look at it from a you know, sociology standpoint or just a, just a good old pragmatic standpoint of your life experience, sitting at a table with somebody, uh, breaking bread is lit, is one of those times it, there's a, there's something that happens in that process. Um, when you're able to sit down and talk to somebody almost like equally, pretty much equally at a table and share and share food and to share time that it just begins to unpack and, and take some of that facade, some of that craziness away and allows people to, uh, to kind of be themselves more and relate. You know, you, you find out that, you know, that anxiety you that you think you're the only one, um, or even challenging what, you know, the normatives, you know, the norms that you had that we either there are on purpose through cultural uh, experiences or expectations or life expectations or just ignorance or just, uh, or even, even some, misguided experiences that cause you to think certain things about certain people that, that seem to be the bane uh, of part of our existence and, and having so many stories throughout my life uh, of just not buying that, you know, just, it's just too many stories yeah. that it's easy to do, but in the end it just, there's something right. missing. And so, and so part of it was, especially after the 2016 election and having seen for the last 20 years or so, almost 20 years and it started in 2000, where it wasn't just division based on politics. And this is my limit. As I look back now as a history buff, I think that this has been there for a lot longer. But just believing the hype of the division and the galvanized uh, yeah. division that seems to profit only certain people, and, and just, and, which is kind of an addendum to that that says, you know, we're, if you just, if you can, if you, have you ever talked, you know, have you ever talked to somebody who's African American? Have you ever talked to somebody who's Hispanic who's come across the border, uh, who's not from Honduras or from Mexico? There's this country called El Salvador. Oh, I've never heard of that. I thought they were all the same. And, and it's easy to downplay people's ignorance and get upset at it, but it doesn't do any good to help. help I won't say rectify, but it definitely doesn't do any help, anything to help uh, bridge that gap. Because I think when those gaps get bridged, now, now it's like gumbo. Now it's like chili yeah. where, it, where you want that bay leaf in there. You want that chunk of deer meat in there. You want those peppers. You want the roux. You want all those things in there. You realize that, that truly together in this melting pot, it creates this beautiful thing that you just couldn't get without all the ingredients in it. But without that homogeneity, without that, without that unity, I, I mean, diversity is a, is a characteristic, but I think unity is the strength that makes diversity uh, mm. possible, that really brings it to the forefront. Uh, and, so, and so how do you do that? And so instead of just sitting around going, gosh, it would be good if that would be, it'd be great if somebody would just learn that or it, if that person could talk to that person, if that person could hear that person's story and just wishing for uh, upon a star, well, you know, this podcasting thing kind of popped up and I, I had an opportunity based on some other stuff to make a pretty, you know, pretty minimal investment and, and start and start putting my money where my mouth was. And really, and then a part of it, big part of it too, was the faith element, to be honest. Uh, mm -hmm. I think uh, I'm tired. I love to learn about whatever. I have that inner nerd in me. And so learning theology, learning all that stuff and being challenged about the, the marrow of the, of the facts, if you will, or, or of the stories and the metaphors and the meanings, that's all great. And I love doing that. And I love hearing people talk about it. 
but in the end, if there's if there's if it's not lived out, you know that's that's where it's going to make the difference. If I just if I, and I have friends of mine that are apologists and it's fine, but if I <laughs> if I did, if I study my Bible so I can argue with you in a parking lot and try to prove <laughs> you wrong right. over some interpretation, I mean even the Bible itself actually has it. In, it's in uh, I was looking at it today second second Corinthians, it tells you if if you don't believe in it, if you don't believe in it. And I start using it, and I start telling you about it, like the words of it. It's foolishness. Like it's not. You could be telling me anything. I mean, it doesn't. If I'm not, if I'm not believing what you're believing, or if I'm not interested in what you're believing, me just telling you that this is what it says in Romans, or this is what it says over here in, yeah. in uh, you know, Ecclesiastes, you're going to be like, that's a nice story, bro, but uh, you're missing. You're missing. <laughs> and, it, and it tells us that in the Bible. So, so what is going to get people's attention, and what got people's attention in the beginning, and what made the story is so powerful and what made the actions of those that believe so powerful is because they were acting out what they thought. And so that becomes, so if I can't sit at a table with somebody who's uh, an atheist, a Jewish, uh, a Muslim, or just agnostic or, mm-hmm. or is a, uh, you know, is a, maybe a criminal, maybe has had a, had a, had a suffer any of those things that these titles we put on people, which I think are incomplete, but if I can't sit and listen to you, why are, why are you, you know, why is Rachel Summers, um, an exotic dancer. Why is she doing that? Why is, uh, you know, why is, uh, Becca, uh, Rebecca Bedford, she's a supersized plus model. Like why, you know, what is it about that? Instead of me just going, thinking that I know what she's going through. And Gary's a perfect example of that from your podcast. Like, I mean, you know, you could sit there and, and, and think you kind of know what's going to happen or what he's going to say, but it's not until you sit and give him, give it the time to let that story unfold. And that's hard to do right now around unfolding that time frame and letting people and getting enough meat on that bone you're talking about to really get the picture. We want it 20 minutes or less, you know, no commercials or if there's commercials, maybe 30. We want the cliff notes, just give me the facts, uh, Joe Friday kind of thing. And, and I think that that unfortunately leaves a lot to be desired in terms of understanding people and the people you're talking to. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, um, the case of Gary Stotler, um, you know, Gary came to me, he was, referred to me by another one of my podcast guests, Michelle Zellner. And she's like, you just have to talk to him. Like this story is going to blow you away. And, you know, when you hear about kind of weight loss and somebody lost a lot of weight, you think, okay, this is going to be a very similar weight loss story until you listen. And you're like blown away by how it's totally not what you think it's going to be. And I think our culture is so, we're just so into like, give me the fast food version of this. I was even talking with somebody and they were like, um, man, your podcasts are pretty long. Like, I'm like, what's wrong with that? You know, and they're just, right. well, just, that's just, a, it's going to be a lot. I'm going to really have to sit down and really think about it. I'm like, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I know a lot of people do like, you know, 20 minute, 25 minute variety, but it's very difficult for me to really suss out the nature of the person and really understand them in a short amount of time. It's not a disrespect against those things. It's just for me. I enjoy the longer version of getting to know somebody. Yeah, no, amen. And then you, you get to unpack so many different facets of that individual. You get to unpack um, the uniqueness of that individual and then hear those, uh, those undercurrents of what forms them. And, and I was just thinking best on the way over here. I just, as soon as we start putting labels and there's a friend of mine, I always talk about him, John Hall. He's one of my, he's been on my pod. He's become friends. He was a, he was a fan of the show, emailed directly him and his wife, like they listen, we became friends and it was kind of a running joke between the two of us that, you know, he likes labels because it gives an indication as to certain things. Right. And, it, you know, he's a libertarian, so he likes to understand 
it gives him a, it gives him a starting point. And so he's not like, yeah. like you're done. I just think too many times uh, we say, Oh, well, you know, so you're, so, oh, so Dr. Darian, Oh, he's a doctor. Well, what kind of doctor? And this is, so here's his, <laughs> here's, here's a special, here's what he does. Here's what he doesn't do. Yeah. Okay, so, so he's a new nutrient. Okay. So this means that And in those things are all true, but, but then you suss out, like you're saying, what even got him to that? What even got you that to begin with? You know, you're a collegiate athlete. You, you said, I heard you saying you, you yeah. were a runner. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, unpacking that whole thing, like not just, I mean, I know how hard oh running gosh. is to begin with, but then how do you do it collegially, competitively, you know, student athlete kind of stuff and what it's meant and how, you know, it's like a three, four hour podcast in itself, just that whole lifestyle, which is a lifetime within this current lifetime I'm in. It's just a different time, you know? And I, that's why I just, for me, it's like, okay, there's so many layers to human beings. And I believe a lot of people want to know those layers. I really do. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, and I think because uh, one of the guys I had on recently, Alexander Shia talks about, um, these four overarching questions that are the, the, the kind of the cornerstone of all great stories. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, and I believe that, uh, these four questions actually are the great, uh, questions for all of us that everyone's, everyone's writing their own great story. And he doesn't, he doesn't not say that. It's just, we typically tend to, to, to take that to the to highest level of, uh, of application. Whereas I, th- I think it goes throughout, you know, in terms of no matter who you are, no matter what life you've lived, because that, that becomes that qualitative aspect. And it, and I, and you hear this a lot. Well, you know, they've experienced more than most people. They've done more than most people They you know, this is, and, and you keep hearing that, but I keep finding, I keep trying to find out who are these people that never went through anything? Who are these people that, <laughs> you know, that, that just somehow managed to go through life. Never, nobody ever got sick. They never had a financial challenge. They, yeah. Where, where are those people? And, and I, right. think, I think, I think we get the mob, the mob mixed up sometimes, uh, with, with the individual a little bit. Right. Um, you know, another faith example, you know, go to a church. Well, somebody's, if somebody's a Baptist or they go to this specific Baptist church, they could have been going there forever. So if you think, you know, what everybody in there thinks based on those, you know, those layers to get to where they are. Um, I mean, you and I, we could sit here. We'll find enough things where we feel differently on certain subjects, and there's just two of us. So how sure. in the world, how in the world are we going to, you know, blanket that and say? Because as soon as you start talking to people, I was having this last night, and I was talking to 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 Fabi Powell. That when you really start to unpack those stories, you start to find, or you start to mention something, all of a sudden somebody else goes that you wouldn't have thought. Oh, I've gone through that experience as well, or I know this about that, or I've done this, and now all of a sudden, this bus full of strangers, you know. Now there's all this commonality or there's these unique experiences or and just pulling that. And my big thing is like, I think what you're getting at with yours, you just want to pull that out and let, and yes. I think there's so much to share that when other, and other people can kind of go, Oh, okay. All right. So, and then what can I pull from that? What can I, how can I learn from your experience? How can I learn from what you're doing? How can I learn in such a way that just, I don't want to say that benefits me because that sounds very advantageous. Like it's mm-hmm. an ROI. You know, it, it, it then, it then creates a little bit. I had this conversation yesterday, the other day. Now I know something and I can't, I can't, I should say no. I, now I'm aware of something and I can't deny it. You know, mm. I think, I think of, I think of the, uh, for some reason, the scene from this, the movie about the Tuskegee Airmen in World War II. Yeah. But Lawrence Fishburne's in that. Yeah. And yeah. the bomber, the B-17 pilots, you know, they had the red tails, uh, and they, you know, these guys come in and knock off the Germans and just push them back. And so this, the two pilots, this one guy's just like head over. He's just like, cannot wait to thank, to thank the guys that, that did this. And of course he, you know, it's an unfortunate narrative that we're familiar yeah. with, 
walks up in there, you know, I'm looking for the guys that are flying those planes and it's, you know, it's Lawrence Fishburne and four other black men that are sitting there in their flight, flight gear. And he's like, that was us. And this guy's just like, well, no, I want to know where they, who are the guys that were flying this? And the other guy starting to catch on. No, it was these guys. And it, it, so then there's this weird paradox that happens that even when you're shown this kind of stuff, there can be this immediate reaction to disregard it. But the, the hope is that that seed was planted and it now becomes a little harder to deny. It's yeah. not concrete. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but now you've taken that back a little bit. You've shown a different way and they, then, then it's, it may be anecdotal, but those are the strongest arguments in my experience are those ones that I go through. And I can, now I can't say I've never, you know, the, this idea that a person's this, if they're, if they come from a certain ethnicity or they're limited, I can't do that anymore. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, it's interesting. I think the, the internet in itself is, is kind of a gateway for that is people in all different big towns, small towns, cities, wherever they're able to connect information that they may normally not have access to. And so like for me with somebody like Gary or Michelle Collins and anybody I've had on, it's like, Hey, listen, I'm just putting it out there. I'm not saying like, hey, this is, um, you know, Gary's story. It's like, wow, like I'm endorsing the story I'm doing. I'm just saying, listen, listen to it. It's a different side of life. I, I don't know how to relate to something, somebody that lost 200 pounds. I've been, I told Gary on there, I've been little my, li my entire life. But it's the emotion behind the story that is very universal to human beings, the emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that that brings out something as far as podcasts, as you mentioned. Yeah, you know what I think makes podcasts so powerful is that there's an authenticity there. There's a transparency, right? And for most of them, I and mean, there's some that I think that are produced to be sensational, and that's you know, that's of course, part, that's what happens. But I think the ones that what's made podcasting so popular, and I think this is a bit ironic to that other side and to the new, we see this influx of people and money, and you know, people are trying to get ahead of it because they think it's something new. And I think right. what, what a lot of people are missing. Uh, is you know is they is they're trying to commercialize it you know they're trying to commercialize yes. it and make it you know into, into what they want so they can at the end of the day sell something or or bring awareness yeah. to sell something really to be honest it's what it is but that's not what's made podcasting what it is now and what's made it so popular I think it's it's it has to do with it I mean I mean right now what how long we've been talking I mean you're not going to get a segment on the five o'clock news anywhere or it's going to be hard right. even to get on radio to have that, this kind of conversation is hard enough now uh, because, because there's economic demands. There's significant economic demands and expectations that happen. And like I tell people to come on my podcast, I'm like, if you don't like it, I'll 86 it and it's fine because yeah. I, I, I'm not beholden to anyone that this thing has to work. I pay for the hosting and do my own yeah. editing and do all that stuff myself and the, the little bit of money I put in. I don't, I don't know a corporation or a business, some sort of ROI on this based on their on their expectations. Yeah. And so, and I think that that's what makes it a place where people are starting to, listeners are starting to go because, I mean, we've heard this, you know, the term fake news and stuff like that out there. Mm -hmm. And I think the irony is, I think, I think President Trump took advantage of a situation that was, that hasn't really been addressed. And that is, what do you do when you find out that these magazines you've been reading or a website you've been looking at or a blog or, or just the main news we're supposed to trust, you know, trust to be fair and balanced, trust to be, to give you all the news that's, that's, that's fit to print. You come to find out that that's not what you're doing. And then yeah. you manipulate things to, to create a sensation that allows you to get more listens or more, or, or more clicks or more subscribers that really has nothing to do with the story. And you're more than willing to just, to use it for something, for something else besides instead. And even then, instead of trying to 
inform me you're trying to influence me. And then it gets even more, yeah. a little bit more nefarious, I think, and loses its credibility. And then that, this becomes this open wound. We're all aware. And then all of a sudden you go to something else and you hear somebody like you, you know, giving your podcast out to the world and you're, you're like, okay, this now I think we're, I think we're receptive to that. We're hungry for it. When we really, really hear it, yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, there's a whole, there is another world out there. <laughs> yeah. But that whole, that phrase and form basically versus influencing, I, I don't think I thought about it that way, but I think it's definitely, there's a curation there. Like for me, I just, I just like talking to people, honestly, <laughs> that's like a very simple, simplistic way. And I thought, you know, I want to use the internet for good. It sounds like a Star Wars represent, you know, so I like, want to do this for good and not yeah. evil. And yeah. I want to just talk to people and I want to learn what is going on in their life. And I want other people to be informed about this tremendous world that's going on. See, I, I don't see this gigantic chasm or division that the world's telling me is out there, that the world is burning. And that is horrible times. I'm like, I don't know, I'm experiencing a really good time. You know, it's like, but I'm also not exposing myself to constant, you know, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, and letting that enter my mind when it's constantly swayed towards one way or another. It's just not my thing. I don't want to see a bunch of people arguing with each other. Like, I, I don't, I'm not into that. Like, I'd rather just talk to somebody. And if, if I disagree with them, it's fine. But we're going to be respectful with each other. And we're going to be civil and show that that is actually possible. Yeah, it's it's really kind of interesting that you say that because I, I keep waiting to have like an argument on my podcast. Like I mean, <laughs> I mean I've had I've had um, I mean I've had militant atheists on my podcast. And, tell you know, me about that, by the way. So I want to know more. I, I've been so, thinking about this. I want to. So yeah. tell me going into this because this is a nice segue into into sure. that. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So so uh, the, probably the first atheist well it's ironically the first atheist was a uh, he called himself an apatheist my, my buddy hunter hunter mott who i just talked to today who him and i are actually friends but he mm-hmm. apatheist is an as a uh, basically an apathetic or an empathetic atheist he's nice doesn't want to be the the richard harris or richard hawkins uh, sam harris kind of like you know coming down on you you know lawrence krauss type uh, but another gentleman adam coughlin i had on who it, it was really interesting we scheduled the, the podcast six months down to the day and, we, and he's in the UK, and we hit it without any issues. And I'd been listening to his podcast, and he and he and his he had Richard Carrier and some of these other guys who are just these staunch academics who you know looking at the historicity of Jesus, looking at all these different things. Uh, there's a book that I've been trying to read by Bernard Lamborell that basically does a very very good job, to be honest, of kind of unpacking the Bible as a deification of a Babylonian king uh, from mm-hmm. Abraham from Ab- from the time of Abraham or Ibrahim. And uh, so, so he's, so he's very, and very comfortable with, and not just being nice about it, but just like literally not just putting it out there, but then basically putting it out there in such a way that says, and you have to be an absolute idiot to even believe this stuff. There's just so much not, there's so many reasons not to, especially from a scientific logical background or just plain old reason. I can't, he's just one of these, I can't see why you would do that. And so, and so who better to have a conversation with? Who better, right. who better to have something like that with? Uh, he's a vegan, uh, very much, uh, you know, environmentalist, all those kind of things that go with that. Uh, very much against, you know, big, you know, big corporations, big business, stuff like right. that. And so, I mean, the conversation, to be honest, at the end of it, we prayed together and he didn't stop me. Hmm. So, I mean, I prayed, he may not have prayed with me, but he, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't tell me no. And, and I think it was simply because I don't think, I don't think atheists, 
the general atheists, even the ones you hear that are very militant, even the ones that get very angry, typically I think those types of folks are really upset because Christians and people or people of any religion simply aren't aren't living out the religion that they profess. And, it may, and, and that's a bit of a loaded expectation because that's part of the nature of the human, you know, the human uh, experience. And I understand failure and the set whole where no, nobody's perfect. And I don't want to say that because I'm kind of getting a little bit tired of that phrase. I think it's overused yeah. and, and kind of used as an excuse. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I want to, I'm trying to be perfect. Every time I try to do something, I try to be perfect. Every time I try to interact the way that I do that with somebody. And I think if you're, if, if they see you, um, being that and trying to be that or trying, you know, if, if you're doing something in such a way that expresses these, these, these universal sentiments of love and kindness and gentleness and the fruits of the spirit type of thing, patience, very, very, very few people are going to respond to that negatively and say, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's my favorite Bible verse, uh, Galatians 5, 22, 23. And at the end of this, they list this, you know, these, all these really great accolades and these cool things we should be like in self-control. But for me, the clincher was the very end of it, which is against such things, there is no law. No atheist is going to get mad at you for being kind. No atheist is going to tell you not to be gentle, not to have uh, patience with somebody, not to have self-control, in a, like you said, yeah. in a conflicting situation. They're not going to tell you that you shouldn't do that. And so if you're professing, if you're believing and you're doing and you're practicing your faith physically out into the world in such a way, I think those conversations, uh, especially doing it in a conversational manner, it's like you said, respectful and, and honors yeah. that, that situation. Very, very few people are going to turn around. And even if they do, even if they think, ah, I still think you're a dumb-dumb for thinking that. Yeah. You just, you get away from the whole YouTube owning the lib and owning the lib, you know, the re, the Trump tard and, and, <laughs> and that kind of thing. And so, and so those conversations, and, and him and I, we talked about politics. We talked about uh, you know, things of that nature. And, and it was just a, a nice conversation. It was just a conversation between a couple of guys. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be. And I think the other part of it is, on every side of it. Now this is very hard for us to do in Western culture is we have to put down the scorecard. We have to put down this idea that I think our obsession for winning and our obsession for being the Mm. best and having, having our way rule the day and being told that that has to be the objective. Somehow I I have to win and you Darren have to lose. Right. And then, and then I can't, and my goal, whole goal, the only thing I should care about ever in any way, shape or form is just winning, 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 winning. And it just, I just, I've become less and less convinced in my in my time frame uh, on this planet that 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 really has anything to do with, especially with uh, I think the day to day life. I mean, if you want, yeah, you want, play, you want to play Yahtzee with your kids and you want to try to win, that's great. Uh, but I think that I think that, <laughs> I, think that I think it per, it's pervasive into the everyday culture that that then allows, especially especially when the when your need to win is is actually superseded by your hatred of losing, right? Then that then that motivates people to where even when they do win they, they can't even enjoy it and then they have to right. do everything, they have to do everything they can not to lose because they can't stand the thought of not being on this podium of not being the one on top and and every year and every professional sports you know, organ, league and every you know business deal there's going to be more losers than winners and so yeah. I, I just I just I think you should compete I think that's great I think if you want to do that that's that's wonderful but but I think we lose lose sight of the fact that it's valuable. I have no idea what your college career was. I have no idea if you were like all American collegiate right. athlete. But I I doubt very seriously that if you weren't, that if you weren't the greatest runner that's ever been in the history of college running, I doubt very seriously that that takes away from your experience and what it has meant to you. Yeah. 
No, definitely not. I mean, I I was neither the greatest nor the worst. I was a very, I would say, average runner. But I the experience was um, brutal and rewarding at the same time, if that exists, you know, yeah. for that. And um, what I think is interesting is also this whole winning thing is people, they want to badly be right. They, they want to prove that they're right. It's if, uh, if um, you know, an atheist and a Christian, you know, the worst part about those conversations when they get ugly is that both people are trying to so badly prove they're right that they're denigrating the other person to prove that they're right. I'm not really into that. You know, I, I am a Christian. I, I have actually, I've always been, but I don't think that anybody who's met me has thought that I'm trying to be right about it all the time, that I'm trying to come in front of them and let me show you why I'm right about this and why you're wrong and you're terrible. I just, it's not me. I just believe in kindness and goodness and caring. And if I have plenty of friends who do not believe like, and, and there may be some people who go, how could you do that? I'd be like, what do you mean? How can I do that? They're just friends of mine. <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand the other thought process behind that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think well, I think there's comfort in it. I think that it, it's that it's that discomfort of of being wrong, of being misinformed. Uh, right. I think I think, that, I think that allows a lot of people this this sense of uh, authority and you know even maybe prosperity is the wrong word, but just austerity. I mean, they're just it allows me to have a, a place above, right? If I'm right and you're wrong, my way is the way, Darren. And, and and I'm sorry, but you just haven't figured it out yet. And maybe one day you will, and you'll be right like me. Right. There, there's a there's a little bit of a in the in the wrong set of circumstances, or I should say, the mis misaligned. I don't think wrong is the right word. Uh, a misaligned circumstance, an incomplete understanding of what's really going on. That that that's what becomes important because over here. In this competitive nature that we we seem to be in all the time, you you have to be like no 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 I need you to predict this this you know this market uh, trend going forward yeah. I need you to predict this business move going forward you need to know to get this right because if you don't and you are wrong then then quote unquote bad things will happen and there's that fear I think of that you know there's it's the part about business that over the years has really kind of started to dissuade me instead of it becoming a place for creativity and in, in uh, intuition and intuitiveness and people may say that sounds crazy with all the people that are out there and all the things that are that way but i do i think if you look at the overall i think we stymie ourselves uh you know especially with publicly traded companies especially with investments like this has to work and i need to know before i ever put a dollar in your pocket yeah to invest in you that or i'll give you just enough to survive to just this point and if you get past that point um then maybe i'll give you a little bit more and you got to do it this way and, and, and come hell or high water, your job is not to just do the, do the job. Your job is to, is to win, is to be profitable and that's it. And it's, yeah. and I, and I, and it's what, it's why I get a little bit dis, disillusioned on the business side. Um, yeah. cause it's always, you know, people are like profits. The only thing that matters podcast. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to be a guest cause you know, the only thing that ever matters in this world is profit. And, and you can yeah. make that argument from a business sense. And I understand why they say that. But then there's these same businesses that all of a sudden are doing these nefarious things and you find out they were doing those things to maintain profitability or they were doing these things to give themselves an advantage to be profitable. So, so maybe profitability isn't the, the primary thing. And that's a very, very, very hard thing to do in our country. because then that's that so means, true. Right, because then that means, well, if I can't be profitable with it, well, Sean, then I can't pay the bills. Well, 
I, I get that. Well, maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's not the direction this journey is supposed to go. Maybe this business yeah. isn't meant to go the whole way. Uh, if you ever go back and watch the documentary about Enron, it's called yeah. the smart the smartest guys in the room. And you you know, I mean, on paper, <laughs> for a very long yeah. time, for a very long time, these you know this was considered you know, this giant company that was amazing and all the rest of these things. And the whole time they were basically committing every ethical violation, yeah. moral violation, and legal violation just about that you could. And and it ended it ended with people committing. There's a guy who lives in the same city that I do, technically, Sugarland, who I used <laughs> to live by, not real close. Uh, he was the guy that shot himself as that. He's one of the executives right. from the stress of that. And so it's kind of like, is that is that worth it? And then people may be sitting there going, you know, driving brand new Mercedes. You know, there's I think one of the guys yeah. was in that movie. Uh, is like the largest landowner in Wyoming, and he got all of his money, you know, through this shady shell company. And he may be sitting there going, "Well, it's worth it to me." But I think in the long run, where my faith comes into it is it, yeah, that may get you something now for a little while. Yeah. You, but in the end, I, I read Ecclesiastes and I say, eh, "I think I know how this story ends." Yeah, yeah. You, what's interesting is, well, one of these podcasts about storytelling. I wanted to tell a short story to you, which I think reminds me of what we're talking about is uh, my brother i love him dearly he's a great human being and he is um as far as i can remember growing up he's always been into hip-hop loves hip-hop um some theater and the whole thing and he said his goal was to be a world famous hip-hop artist like really affect a lot of people and i said why do you want to be famous and i don't think anybody ever told him he said well that way i can help people i'm like you don't have to be famous to help people so well, I want to be famous, make a lot of money so I can just I can just do hip hop full time. And I, I said, I, I think you're going about this the wrong way. Like this whole concept of making it, everybody associates this concept of making it with like crazy wealth. Like I've made it, blah, blah. So we had this big conversation. And I said, how about this? I would consider making it as if you could do it full time. You're able to support your family, enjoy something you love doing. And that's it. Like, keep it simple. You know, he accomplished that several years ago. He's not famous, but he's doing something that a lot of other hip hop artists are doing. He's just not well known, but he's living very comfortably. And it really changed his mindset. He's like, I wonder why I thought like that. He's like, I've made it. I'm supporting myself full time in music. But I had this aspiration of being famous. I said, that fame, it gets to your head, man. You know, it's is that what it's about being famous? And and I could take that to podcasting and think mm. I think there's a commercialization of podcasting where it's now I want to become pod famous. I want to mm. have the next Joe Rogan podcast. I want to be the next, you know, whoever. Mark, Mark Marin, somebody like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and I want to have this great thing about business and we're going to I'm going to create all the best business ideas in this podcast. And I think I want people to do what they want to do. But I, I wonder is the launch point to inform people or is it to influence them to create this means to become super famous? And I think that's where it becomes tricky on that is if profitability is your main thing, how will that be? Is that your legacy? You know? And I wonder too, and I wonder if your brother, what he would say to this, but some, some of those industries like that, especially the, you know, look at some of these movie stars and people like that who are starting podcasts and I think about people like Jim Carrey and I, and I who've gone there thinking that that's what they wanted. And, you know, like Jim, one of Jim Carrey's quotes is something to the effect of, I hope everybody can one day become rich and famous to find out 
that it's not the answer either kind of thing yeah. where he, and it's coming from somebody who's been there. And so, and so sometimes I'm one of these podcasts that people are creating because it allows them now to be who they are. Yes. You start, you start talking to, especially who are super famous, super influential. Like if you're Beyonce, you can't go to the store. Like you can't just go have coffee at Starbucks. You can't, yeah. you know, and it may seem amazing and glamorous and you know, it's all this other stuff. And I'm sure in the moment it is, uh, but there's a cost to it, right? There's, and then, yes. and then at what point, cause I know of some people and I obviously won't say who they are through some other people that I know that, that are kind of stuck and end up being, and I mean, we, we, I think anybody can relate to that. You can be stuck in your business, stuck in kind of a career place where you don't want to be. And imagine if you're beholden to this ideal and you're beholden to this and what happens if you stop believing in it, but your, your livelihood, everything that you have, yeah. other people's livelihoods, you know, there's all this stuff is all connected to that. And then now all of a sudden you have to be, you have to be Rush Limbaugh. You have to go on the radio every day. Yeah. And just let yeah. the world have it or else, or else what, or else the sponsors will go away or else all those things that made you famous will go away too. And, and then I wonder how often those people, you have a, you're a prisoner. Cause then I've been fortunate to know a lot of people that are, you know, rather wealthy. And it mm -hmm. just seems like to your point, that piece that then they start adding in and I, and I did that for a little while and I've spent a you know, good number of years of my life now trying to, to pull back as many of those things that I need on a day-to-day -day basis uh, and it's and it's one of those things that I like for my pod. I just promise myself, uh, allow myself that that twinge where that that, that you know, when I first see a number, let it you know because it's going to happen. Oh, you know, you get excited. Maybe you do or you don't. But yeah. don't let it either whether it's good or bad. Don't let it, and then just let it go. Understand what it is. It's kind of a fate. I, I feel like it's a false positive, or a false negative. Uh, either either way, in terms of what has if it's a lot of them or it's not a lot of them. Uh, yeah. Both are kind of a false negative in terms of their value because it takes it really is it really whether or not it really comes down to whether or not you believe um, if that one podcast episode that one person's story can truly impact one other person's story and make them and do something when they're in their frame of mind in their mindset maybe the other you know eight and a half billion people however many it is now never hear it again but is that yeah. one is is that enough is that enough is that enough that's what you have to ask yourself. And, and I just can never get away with the idea that it's not. Yeah. I just, I, I just, gosh, that's so, it's so difficult. It's kind of, I find myself grappling with a lot of things at this age at 41 years old. And, and one of those things I'm grappling with is kind of related to what we're talking about is I, I'm coming back to this in your conversation, you know, with the atheist or somebody that, you know, very different. And, but I'm grappling with science right now quite a bit because I feel like it's so everybody wants proof of something all the time, whether it's religion or whether it's understanding some medical thing or whatever it is. And I, I like science, actually. I really enjoy science. I love the concept of it and I love just learning about it. And I love shows about science. But sometimes I think, why are we not open to the fact that not everything requires proof? You know? I don't understand. It's, it's like it's, there's a there's a war against not having like if you don't have proof of something, it's not valid. And I get as scientists always, you know, it's like, well, I believe in the empirical evidence and all this. And I'm like, sometimes it's just mystery. You know, like, yeah, I, I love that you're saying that. I really, really love that you're saying that because um, I think it goes to this idea of not of what it means to have. I don't know if this is a good segue, but I'm going to try. 
Uh, one of the things I've learned recently, so there's, so I, I'm like you, I love it, love science, but I was a nerd. Yeah. Like I didn't become a Christian until I was 32. Uh, I love very, very deep, like I can sit all day long and watch documentaries and yeah. especially history. Like that's in science and understanding and, and, and being in, in informing myself to understand something I didn't understand before. I get that. L- love all those things. Uh, I think that science actually, though, is going through a bit of a, of its own internal struggles, its own kind of uh, a black eye, if you will, in terms of we've given religion and other things, politics, a lot of shade for uh, for being rigid and not and not allowing for different things to happen and not allowing for, you know, Galileo was tortured. It's always one of the fun ones that they like to point out and say, look at how they, you know, they yelled at this guy who or wanted to kill this guy who suggested that the earth wasn't the center of the world. And, oh, my gosh, you know, off we go. And so we now know how absurd that is or whatever kind of like myth, you know, Echo, yeah. the story of Echo from the mythology, and obviously that's not true. So here's what the explanation is, and and so we so it served its purpose for a little while, I think, relatively speaking, of of helping us define certain things we didn't understand a little bit better, and then I think it got to the point where it felt like it be, it became a religion. It became this thing to your point where you're like, no, no, I need to know all the facts about this, and and then there's yeah. a, there's this misconception that we're going to be able to do that. that yeah, exactly. Right. So. And I, and again, like you, let's 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 run this let's run this bird as long let's go as far as we can go. Let's take it full throttle, go down as many routes. Let's do let's understand. But then uh, all I've ever experienced in that regard is just more and more and more mystery, which is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. And then they and then there's a series. Of, well, I can't be mysterious. I need to know instead of it just being this myth. Like I just maybe. It's, and how do we sit in that tension? Um, yeah. And the, the word I was thinking, but it's. The Jewish word shalom, which allows you to sit mm-hmm. in that tension of, and that's where growth happens. Like that's how muscles work. That's how our lives work. It's that tension, right, that we put on ourselves that allows us to to experience something to go into this next uh, next level of understanding. Um, it's what makes bridges calm is that tension, right? That instead of it's it, it allows that to exist in in what looks like harmony, but it's really these opposing forces that are they're equi- uh, uh, offsetting each other, and so. So now how, how much that force is, why does it work that way? Uh, what do you name it? Um, what if there's too much of this? Maybe if we don't know that yet, is that okay? To your point, is it okay? Yeah. I don't understand. Why does vitamin C do this? Why does a steroid do that? Why does it do it for different people? What is the deal over here? And maybe it's okay to your point. To, and how do we get comfortable back with the right or wrong thing? How, do we, how are we comfortable with not knowing? Are you comfortable with not knowing something? Which I think yeah. is, is an even greater challenge than, than – because – because if you think you know something, I got to this, a friend of mine who was an atheist who I met in all places uh, in, on a video game on my phone. And it was a chat room. And, yeah. and, and it was and he said something like, uh, you know, it's harder to be an atheist than to be a person of faith. And I argued and said, uh, no, I don't. I think it's easier to do the other one. <laughs> right. So so but he was he was uh, open enough to sit. And we had a separate conversation offline. Yeah. And, and it really became this thing where my point was. I have to engage in that mystery. I have to engage in this thing that I don't, I can't prove that to you. I, I cannot, I can't tell you, I, I can tell you what I believe. Yeah. I can't, I can't prove that to you. I can't uh, in, in a pure scientific way, double blind study that right. gives you, gives you no other, no other opportunity than to believe that. Right. And then, and then, cause if, if all you have to do, if all you have to live on is facts, well then, in the kind of way that I portray it, in the way that I would argue it is, well, then if it's not a fact, you can just throw it out and you never have to worry about it. Right.
well, that's well, how many how many facts do we actually possess? What do we really, really, really know? You know, I mean, if you really want to take this, let's take this down. Let's be heady. Let's let's be contemplative. Uh, put our cognitive caps on and start running down that road. Well, tell me what you know. And then it's, it's something that I realized years ago. You heard I'd heard it, but I was a history dork. Like I said, I was a history minor in college. Yeah, I was reading this trilogy by the by Shelby Foote on the Civil War, and and all of a sudden I, I had this epiphany as I'm reading this ultra thick, one of three thick novels that it really doesn't matter how many of these I read. I, I'm going to know less as I know more. It just was this yeah. clear, clear understanding that it was a mugs. It was a kind of a zero sum, a little bit of a zero sum game that I could fill my head with as much knowledge that is much. And I could maybe win some trivia contests or maybe I can debate some other guy and some yeah, other lady yeah. uh, who know who can remember more about Ben Franklin's life. And then all of a sudden I do, <laughs> but really what, how much do I know about Ben Franklin's life? Yeah. I, I don't know much about it. Right, but he, but he, you could spend your whole life, right? Right, trying to understand that person. Right, or even a living person. You could you could yeah, get to the hip of Elon Musk and just follow him around for the next however many years, and yeah. there's no telling. There's not there's nothing to say that you'll know everything about him either. And so it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Sorry to cut. Sorry. No, about please. That. If, if you don't, I'll keep talking. So go ahead. No, no. I <laughs> we both we both host podcasts, so it's easy for us to talk. I think yeah. for that. But it's kind of like I love adding in kind of layers to stuff. Like I don't know if you've seen that movie Ad Astra with Brad Pitt. No, not yet. It's really good. Um, highly recommend it. Um, it's kind of very brooding, very moody space movie. But essentially, is it takes a different different take in terms of like alien life a promises has a wraparound point <laughs> don't just like tell random <laughs> stories no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that i always yeah no, let's go you know yeah. but basically <laughs> essentially i'm sorry if you haven't seen the movie but i'll just give you just kind of i'm not gonna tell you a bunch of the stuff but the whole thing about it is essentially they're looking for extraterrestrial life and they're going to the edge of the known solar system to look out as far as they can look and they can look out really far essentially the end is they find out that there's nothing there and the movie asks the premise of it says what if it's just us what if there isn't because what what science would tell you again i love it i love all these shows will say it's impossible there's so many galaxies hundreds of billions of galaxies we're not alone but what if we are what if we are it, it doesn't mean the end of the world it doesn't mean it just means that we are it doesn't mean that your life's work is garbage. It's just, right. what if it's a different take? What if this is truly just us? And I actually love that because it's not the normal take. It's not the, well, because the, the mathematics tell me it's mathematically impossible that there aren't other civilizations. But what if we're rare? What, I'm not saying I don't think that's true. I'm just saying, what if, though? It's okay if we don't know that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, and I think what's really interesting about what you're saying is if you take it, so if you do the math or if you listen to people that are mathematicians and you find some areas, because these, this is where the, you know, these types of stories don't tend to get as much play as the other ones that say there are yeah. life out there, but doing some research around what, what are the odds if we take out the idea of creation, if we take out the idea that, that, that a, that a yeah. divine spirit of some divine nature, mm -hmm. you know, breathe this all into the world. And let's say that it happened uh, just kind of more or less organically, for lack of a better word. Right. Let, let's let's play the odds on just the, the fact that we're here to begin with. What? How? How? How many things had to have lined up randomly over the period of time that it has, and for other things to have not happened, 
for all these things to happen in such a way, what's the mathematical probability that life as we know it would have come into existence anyway? So now you have to, then you have to double that and make that happen again. So yeah. I, I've read some stuff around mathematicians who start to argue that even the fact that we're here is such a mathematical improbability based on what we know and what we look at things that, that, that even to try to have it happen again is even, is even crazier or in terms of the probability of it from a pure mathematical standpoint, because people tend to think because it's happened once that it must be easy. Well, we're, I mean, we talk about this all the time. We're surrounded by eight other planets, depending on, I guess, right. who, who decides, right? I think <laughs> yeah. you and I grew up with nine and we did. somebody somewhere decided there was an eighth and now there's nine again or, or maybe a yeah. whatever. Mm. That Pluto thing keeps changing. Back yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, and then it's like, well, who, who gets to decide and blah, blah, blah. And so, but if you take that, like nowhere else, nowhere else on the whole planet and the entire solar system, can we even begin to live? I mean, people start to make arguments around Mars that you could probably colonize it, but not without an incredible amount of, uh, of help, you know, of which doesn't exist. You know, that, that the natural world of Mars does not lend itself to life as we know it here, but even, even in our own world, right. Two thirds of the world is covered by water, of which we can't. It doesn't help us for the most part. Yeah. We can't, right? So there, there's all these things. I think it allows for that mystery of well. And and I'll try this on because I've been wanting to ask me this question. So let's take okay. that this idea of creation a little bit further. Our whole life we've heard this idea of a chicken. Which went, came, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Chicken right? or the egg, right? What I think this hit me the other day, and I'd be curious what you think about this. Well, even if you even if the chicken was first, it could lay eggs. Don't, don't you need another chicken or don't you need a rooster to fertilize that? Fertilize egg? it. Yeah. So then actually you need two, you need a rooster and a chicken that hadn't then have to fertilize life for the egg to then be for, to then have another one. So then it's not just whether or not the, which one came first, there had to be, there could have been a chicken, but without the other one and without any species like that, I saw the ones that are asexual, but. But I nothing mean, what, comes from nothing, essentially, basically, you know. Right, right. And what had to happen, and, and then that that mystery to that to your point, Darian, those are the things that, and I don't know, and I'm sure somebody's out there got there, maybe somebody's screaming at the podcast right now, going, <laughs> "Oh, that's this, and that's already been answered," and maybe it has, and and if so, hey, feel free to reach out. I'd that's love great. to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's okay, but, I, but like, yeah. it's okay. Like, it doesn't. My worth is not created over whether that has been discovered or not. Like if it's a mystery, like this is, this is the honest truth. I mean, I, I, I created my podcast to be completely honest and be very open. I feel like you're very, very same. I, I believe in God. I, I will, I will take that to the end with me, but if some reason I'm just going to be an open with this, if that was not true, if God did not, does not exist, it will not break my existence. Of, I will still love people, care people. I will be kind to them. But I think that's like the issue sometimes with people. Like if if you dis if you disprove or you say, hey, this is it brings down their entire world. I'm like, okay, like me, if if I knew that aliens exist or didn't exist, what's the difference? I mean, listen, I choose. I believe in God. Do I believe in aliens? Maybe, but. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's not true, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm still going to be a good dad. I'm still going to be a good, you know, husband. I want to, I want to be good to other human beings, you know, but I, I believe what I believe. But I think sometimes I have an issue is when like people are, they try to proof me to death on stuff like this, you know, like, 
Like, listen, it's okay. The mystery behind the world does ha- doesn't have to be solved. The mystery behind an extraterrestrial life, guess what? Even if it was true, I'm not sure you could handle it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I also, also ask the question, why do we want to know if it's out there? You know, too, you know? I have so many questions all the time, you know? And, and, and that's the beauty of that, I think that mystery... That mystery allows a little bit of a, I don't know if the vacuum is the right word, but a little bit of a, of an opportunity. There's, there's a space to step into to, to figure this stuff out. You know, that gives us yeah. something to do besides just, you know, wake up and go to work and come home. I mean, there, what, you know, what are we doing with our time that's here and what are we, you know, and I say all this to say that, you know, whoever's listening or if you think that everything I said is complete, you know, <laughs> yes. And I, I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm just, you know, you're just giving your, and I, I sell with people on my yeah. podcast who come in and represent some, you're just giving your take on it. All my life, I've always felt like, Hey, look, I'm just going to give you my kind of like you're saying, yeah, here, here's my, here's my, here's my take on it. We can talk about it, but man, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm curvily okay with the fact that if you don't agree or you think it's cause I, I've been on that other side of that argument. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what makes me a little bit more, you know, more comfortable than most is I know, I kind of know why they're arguing that way. You know, yeah. I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I grew up in a household that thought, uh, organized religion was a joke, and I did for a long time. Right, and and so, but then in my experience, which is a, uh, another story, it, you know, I look at I'll, I'll I'll be brief on it and say, at some point in time, if you've done something a certain way and you keep getting the same result, and you, mm-hmm. and you feel like okay, maybe there's something else here that I need to understand. You know, for me, it was a hum- it was a humility thing. Yeah, um, being being humbled by my own failures and doing things I swore I would never do. Uh, in terms of in terms of quote unquote failures, uh, and then just kind of questioning what is it that I what is it that I is my belief system like what am I doing and yeah. why and could there be something else out there that was, that is bigger and greater than me and, and truly bigger that I can recognize now not just this nice thing to think of well I don't know so I'll just kind of put it aside no let's let's dive into that I went from diving into science and history and yeah and all this stuff into like diving into what you're talking a little bit of the all this, all this, this great, amazing darkness that, that instead of it yeah. being feared, don't fear the darkness. No, God, God is in all things. So God's in the light and God is in the darkness. And I think we've done a really uh, unfortunate job, a PR job, hit job on, uh, on this dualism of that, that somehow light is good and darkness is bad. Right. right? And, and that, that, especially lately that's come, uh, one of my, uh, just a, a, a guy who's, He's brought some things to life that have really shaped, uh, really kind of blew my mind in that sense, or reinforced these things that I felt. Because the first time, first time I was exposed to that idea of where you can use words manipulatively to misrepresent and not intentionally, but not intentionally, was the I don't know if you ever read it, but the autobiography of Malcolm X. Yes, I've read it. Yeah. Okay, so when he's talking about when he was in prison and he first looks in the dictionary, right, and he looks up, he looks up, you know, word black, dark, and it's and it's all these other definitions that equate it with negativity and right you know, foul. And it's this, you know, it's just this, it's just this impression that, you know, the black knight is not the one who's, who's saving the day. The white knight is right. And it'd be like, Oh, you're just, well, I mean, I, I believe words have power and words have energy and the, and what you're trying to do with those words and why you're trying to use those words. It's why words associated with things like that have the power that they do. The word it's the, the letters in the, in the phonetics themselves have no meaning uh, right. unto themselves, but the way with which you use them do. And so, can you be aware of those facts and understand that, yes, unlike this, the little fairy tale we heard as kids that sticks and stones will break your bones or words and they never hurt you, uh, you want to bet? I mean, you want to, I mean, 
I mean, let's change uh, that around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, they do. They have the they're power. Very hurtful. Do, very hurtful. And they, but they can also be <laughs> back to kind of the pot. They can be uplifting and encouraging and amazing. And, and, you know, from you, from what you're doing, from your, your, you know, your profession, you can do your job and just be mechanical about it. You can. Yes. Right. But when you bring in love and kindness and, and all of those things into somebody's life, tell me that doesn't matter. Tell me that right. doesn't matter. I will, I will, I'd said this discussion is kind of a little, maybe an odd segue, but I think you'll appreciate this. So my wife is, works for Texas Children's Cancer Center. She has for 25 years, uh, largest cancer center, pediatric cancer center in the world. It's actually bigger than St. Jude's. Uh, they do hematology and oncology, both. Yeah. Well, the gentleman who, is the, who was the director up until very recently is like the godfather of pediatric cancer, Dr. David Poplack, who's been like a dad. So my wife's worked directly for him for a couple of decades, and she was his right-hand person for all things non-medical that dealt with uh, the community and, and companies and anything in development. So if you know that world, she's this, uh, yeah. just, just this amazing person in that world for all kinds of reasons. But what got me, and that's how I met her, was through that, and I met him first. And he, he said something that, to- that made me, that devoted me to this whole ideal, and I'll, and I'll explain it. This is, this is a cutting edge, kind of goes back to what we're talking about, about winning and, and profitability and all this other stuff. You can heal somebody physically, and I think you know this, and I'd be curious if you, if you agree. You can heal them. You can, you can help them physically change. You can get rid of the cancer. You can use nanotechnology. You can use immunotherapy, the cutting edge chemotherapy, all these different treatments, and you can physically cure a disease in a person. But if he, he said, he said, give us, he gave me this small group of his speech and he was very, very just like this old wise man. And he was just like, but if they, if you haven't healed their soul, they're still mm. sick. He said, they're still sick and not just them, but their family. So is it's like a bomb, especially if it's an intense traumatic uh, diagnosis, like something like that, you know, the heart failures of an infant cancer as a child, um, you know, the, the matriarch or patriarch, it's a you know, terrible diagnosis or something like that. It's going to impact everybody. It's going to impact everybody. Yeah. And that sickness that goes with that, that suffering that goes with that, doesn't go away because blood counts change. Right. It, and so he commits to, and it's the psychosocial program, and it's the efforts that they make where they will spend money and time and effort in the world of helping the patient and even the, the, the patient's family as much as they can in a psychosocial, and that, that goes back to love and kindness and, and empathy and stuff of that nature. I, I, I believe, I mean, personally, that is a huge part of my job and working with people. But I'm not so sure that, well, I'm, let me tell you this, but I think the world is starting to believe it a little bit more. As I think it's the responsibility of people who are champions for these things to come into the light about it. And like, you know, this gentleman getting up there and saying that, I got to tell you, like with somebody with his stature, and his longevity to say that, especially in an area where, again, this kind of goes back to science and stuff, you know, to say that you can get a lot of naysayers. If you're like, you need to take that out of this whole thing. This is a epidemiological, pathological. You're a doctor for God's sake. You're a doctor. You're a doctor. (laughs) Why would you talk about the soul? Is that even real? Why are we even talking about that? You know, like, like I believe it. I, because I know in my job and, and, and exercise and wellness, like, and I was just sitting on a consultation with somebody about this. I'm like, listen, yes, we can do these physical things. And there's, 
there's functional training and all these things we'll do that is going to help you move better. But in the end, it's going to be our relationship. It's going to be, do you believe in me? Do you believe in yourself? Do you believe that if we meet over and over again regularly, that something will change between us that is bigger than exercise? I mean, I tell people this. And you, it's funny to watch them because they've never heard it before. And so I have to have the courage to say that to somebody else. Yeah. The yeah. doctor has to have the courage to get up there in front of those people and say, oh, no, no, your physical disease may be gone, but you're still sick. It's unpopular to be like that. And so I believe it, but I'm not sure that I still I think we're coming around. But I think it's it's the responsibility of people who re- believe that to champion that to other people. Yeah, and, no, in, a, in a kind way, not in a throw it down your throat way, because that is oh. the worst way to get things done. <laughs> like, well, but that's the beauty of the opportunity, I think, is because what yeah. you have, the evidence, the evidentiary aspect of that is going to be this, this humble, you know, 34 year old mother whose four year old son got neuroblastoma and went through something like this. And when she looks up and says, and I, cause I've seen this, this is what they do. You got seven, 800 people, some of the most powerful people in the city of Houston, both in economics and, and everywhere else. And she sits up there and says, uh, yes, he was treated. And yes, this cutting edge technology saved him. But let me tell you what they did for me and my family to help us heal our hearts. And when, and when that, cause that, and she's not a doctor, he's not a doctor. Dad's not a doctor that talks about it or even the child themselves. Yeah. Uh, who's definitely not a doctor. From that standpoint, who's not, you know, super medicine person or super bright person. And they may not. And that mom may be, let's see if I can say this properly. That mom isn't somebody who would typically be lecturing those type of people or typically talking to those mm. type of people, right? Housewife, maybe not, you know, in the in the business world has not earned, quote unquote, that right to go and talk to front of these people. But when she she comes in a, in a basic kind of undeniable um story standpoint, which is, which I love about what you're doing with the pod and stuff like that, because that story is, you can't, you can't tell her she's wrong. Especially when she she tells you, and what made this so amazing was this, this, this organization called Deck My Room came in and decorated my son's hospital room, however he wanted. It was Iron Man or MCU in every corner. And they did this. And let me tell you, they said, I can, I could feel it in my soul. And they go, I can't quantify that. I can't put that on a chart. You can give me a little one to 10 pain thing. This isn't even on the, this is so, this is on the chart I can't even describe. Yeah. And my child's face lit up when it, and it made them feel something in that sense that, that is, that no medicine can make them feel. Yeah. Right? And no treatment can make them feel that it has, that it's going to have an impact on that situation. And even if, and I'll say that and I want to caveat this a little bit even if that means that the situation doesn't end the way that we want that. And I mean that truly from a survival standpoint. Right. Uh, there, there's an organization that I was part of called Snowdrop Foundation, and we used to take kids down to the Pacific Gulf Coast in Port O'Connor and take them fishing and just a weekend, part of this whole program. It was just on a boat, man. You ever been on a boat? It's a, it's a heck of a feeling, man. It's great yeah. going down intercoastal, it, you know, wind in your face, and, you know, porpoises are running around. Not running, but, you know, swimming around. <laughs> yeah. This, there's this one young man this one year. He, he sat outside and watched the, the stars. He did not go to bed. He didn't go to bed. And we asked him why the next day. And he'd grown up in uh, down, you know, inner city Houston, not inner inner city, but just uh, inside Houston. Yeah. Where if you go to these big cities, you can't, 
it's all the lights all drowned out. You can't see anything. Right, right. He was probably 17, 18. He'd never seen stars in his life, Darian. Wow. He'd never seen stars. And so he sat outside because he could not, couldn't stop looking at him. Couldn't stop looking at him. And in the way, and when you see that in somebody, you see, you almost see, not to get all ethereal, but you could almost, you could see this, almost something around them, something about them. There's an essence, yeah. there's an energy, like you're just, that was not there the day before. Right. And it's there. And that young man ended up uh, passing away. Uh, so yeah. it wasn't like, it's not a guarantee that it's going to suddenly, it's going to cure you. But that, but that's that experience. And then when you have those kinds of experiences back to the family a little bit, and if, when the parents are part of that, um, siblings are part of that, that memory now lives with them that they got yeah. to have that experience with those people. What do you, what do you miss about your friends and family? Isn't, you know, uh, how much money they had or their car or something, you know, these material things or their house is that you don't get to go have dinner with them anymore. You don't get to sit yeah. at the table. You don't get to sit at a table and break bread with them. You miss them. That that's the value, yeah. right? That experience. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that's as those things like, death and dying and and birth and all these really heavy things that affect us over the course of our lifetime and aging hit us. I truly believe that people start looking a little bit further inside than outside. And they start thinking about the higher version of things in their life. You know, and some people come to that earlier, some people come to that later, those things. But it's just true when 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 I think of the people that I miss I miss kind of the quirky things about them, you know, or even if it like they annoyed me on some level, <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you'd give anything to feel that annoyance again, yeah. just to have that around. And uh, I think that is, that's supernatural. That's very yeah. ethereal. That is, and I think like, if you feel that, you're feeling something that is greater than yourself, if you feel that. And yeah. you just have to accept it though, that that is, that is greater than the laws of physics. Or yeah. that, you know, I mean, that's, and I, and I think all those things can exist. That's always been my whole thing is like, it's not right or wrong. It's just these things can exist. Stop trying to make me think that they don't <laughs> like yeah. stop pushing that on me and arguing with me about it. I'm like, I don't care. Like, if you want to argue this, that's fine. Go for it. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not pushing that hard to get you to be on my side. I'm just giving you some information. You don't want it. We're good. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. no, it's informing. Yeah, you said the word supernatural. So I was listening to a friend of mine's podcast, um, and it's called the Pragmatic Christian Podcast, uh, Hayden Bruce. And he had a couple of his buddies on, and one guy who I'm having on mine who are both atheists, one who's very, um, who's, mm -hmm. they call themselves, one's an atheist who doesn't mind religion. The other one is like, no, atheist, I can't stand it. It's all, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what's funny is that you start to listen to these, it, then it becomes Ed. Uh, then it becomes Andrew and it becomes Hayden versus atheist, militant atheist, and the Christian. <laughs> and then again, you start to hear these people talk. Well, they, you know, the word that kept coming up here and there was was supernatural. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I kept thinking to myself, the fact that I think that we even differentiate that from the natural, like mm -hmm. watching a, a a calf being born or watching um, the seasons or watching just anything that we experience, the fact that we're even here, right? I think. Yeah. To me, that's supernatural. It is. There's no difference in all of it. Just because you can quantify it and tell me how fast light's going and you know have some understanding of matter. And uh, I can remember one of my favorite people to read about is a Marie Curry, Madame Curry, who's a, a yeah. late 1800s, early 1900s uh, physicist, Nobel Prize mm -hmm. winner, 
all that stuff that I remember you read some of her stuff. She was convinced right before she died that science had run its course. And she was not, she, and she was a peer of Albert Einstein and William Rentgen and all these guys. Right. She was, and she, if you ask them, if you really be asking them, I think they'd tell you that she's knowledge and intelligence wise was as good, if not better than most of them. And yet she was sitting there going, what else is left? We have figured it all out. You know, kind of this doom yeah. and gloom around science that somehow there's no mystery left to solve. Mm. I mean, are you, and this is, you know, we're well over a hundred years later, uh, you know, to some extent, uh, there's still a lot left, right? There's still there's tons <laughs> left. Oh my goodness. And, and then stuff that I don't know if you've ever listened to, uh, there's got Graham Hancock. You know who that is? Oh yeah. I, I love Graham Hancock. Okay. I love lists about the pyramids and all yes. that. Fascinating. Yes. So yeah, fascinating. But, and I think what's really, really fascinating about this, and I was kind of saying earlier about the black eye or the yeah. um, issues that science has is you start looking at that and going, man, I see, I see the same prejudices that existed uh, in as religion was changing, as science was taking and challenging religion, as any kind of narrative gets challenged for what we think it was. Uh, pick your, you know, social, yeah. societal norm or your, you know, cultural norm or whatever. As those things are challenged, right? There's this hunkering down, like investing. No, 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 no. You know, kind of back to the Tuskegee Airmen thing. Like, no, no, no. This, everybody's in their box. Everybody's in their silo. I want these people here and this is here and I go here and I do this. And when you yeah. start to unravel that, even in science, which is supposed to be, you know, empirical and we're, and let, let the facts speak and you start to look across the table and you start to really look throughout science. And this is part of the reason I don't want to say that I abandoned science, but that I gave true spirituality and true, true as in true pursuing of that a chance, a real chance was I realized that there were some gaping holes. There were some things, and there were just some things that science would never be able to understand. The scientific method, and I'll be curious if anybody want to argue, I'd, I'd be more than happy to have a true argument slash discussion. Yeah. If you take the scientific method and you're trying to prove why we are here as people, it's, it's not possible. The scientific method would never, under any circumstance, be able to prove to us purely in a scientific way and create some 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 answer some some you know some answer to the hypothesis of why we're here you know we're here because of this how do you what are you going to use to quantify to even measure that i mean miles per right. hour pounds you know pounds per square inch right right time years i mean you can't even begin how would you begin to quantify any of the par variables or or datums in that entire process you would where would you even start and then how would you even answer the question so and yet i would argue that that becomes one of the, that's probably the core question for every person out here. Sure. No, it's not, it's not what's for dinner. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's why, what in the world? Kind of, you were alluding to Why are we, why are we here? What are we doing? What is all this? And so that mystery, and I don't think it's, and I also would argue, you know, our faith can give us an idea, but it's still a mystery to all of us. It's still a mystery. There's still, and, and can we wrestle with that? with that unknown long enough to be comfortable with it and to be okay with that discomfort, to be okay with that mystery and then to and then allow that mystery to then unfold. And what can I right. do to change, um, you know, how we think? Cause I, you know, I, I don't know if I'd wish it on anybody and I don't want to sound like I'm pretentious and I'm super special, but uh, you know, experiencing some of these things and having those things unravel uh, is not a very comfortable, it's not a comfortable thing to have those silos changed. It's not, we have a comfort level there yeah. and I get that. But I think what we miss is once you get, once you kind of take that soil and you churn it up 
re, 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 uh, rebirth, this rebranding, or whatever you want to call it, um, the growth, you know, this next cycle, you know, the next time the tree gets a ring, um, you find out that, yeah, it's suffering, and yeah, it's not the easiest thing. Yeah, there's things that happen there's, uh, that, that aren't the greatest, but man, uh, then you start going, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad. And, it, and I'll say this last little thing about it because it ties into what we talked about before. Uh, there's a friend of mine, and I don't want to put her name out there, but she's a mom, that one of the, the mom I was referring to mm-hmm. earlier, who actually talked about at one point, I heard her, I was with her, she started to say the words that she was happy that her son got cancer because of all the things, all the things that had come from that. And I don't want to say, right. good, you know, I, there was so, this experience had been such, there, there was, yeah. she found joy in it. She started to say that. And it was almost like her, it was like her heart was talking and then her mind caught up and went, you kind of like, you can't say it was a good thing. He got cancer. Don't you dare say that. We can't, we can't say that. That's not a good thing. The goal is nobody ever gets cancer. Everybody survives if they do. Right? That's the goal. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. That's everybody's goal. But if not, what are you going to do about that situation? And so seeing that you can't, can that negative truly, and that's back to my pod. So many stories. I, some, I come up that people take these ashes. I mean, like, true, and I don't mean like, I'm talking like death and all these other things that have happened that just create um, awful, awful result. And what do you do with that result? Out of that, can you bring some, is there a glimmer of hope? And is there something that comes out of that that could, I don't want to say beneficial, it's not the right word, but that can, that you can do something with it that doesn't let, doesn't let, but it doesn't let death have that final say. It doesn't let, yeah. doesn't let it have that final say. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. I think that we are just, we're very uncomfortable with knowing just, we just got to know all the time, all the things, you know, I, it's funny we get on there. I didn't think we were going to talk about all these things. And that's the beautiful <laughs> thing about it is not knowing what you're going to talk about. That's literally like the basis of my entire podcast is like, I have no clue what we're going to talk about. And I'm extremely comfortable with that. And I think that not knowing is good. It's like an exercise. It's a challenge to not know. It's, there's a lot of courage in not knowing and saying, you know what? I just really have no clue about this stuff. I'm not going to make up to you that I know what everybody's deepest desires are and how to help them. I really don't know. I just do my best to try to uncover what people are into and how to help and just be there for them. I think just being there yeah. is a great quality to have. Just being there, being present is incredibly powerful. And yeah. I feel like for podcasting, if you could just be present with people, ask a good question here and there, you know, yeah. I found that people like to talk. They just want to talk. Yeah. And if yeah. you just you ask a few questions, they will run with it, man. They'll just run. Yeah. So one of my latest uh, episodes with Jennifer Eichenhorst is uh, titled Let Go and Let God. And the reason mm-hmm. we t- titled that is because in my pre-recording uh, pre, uh, times, I always tell people that, which is what you're saying, I do some intro questions, get to know them. Yeah. Uh, kind of some fun, silly questions to, to give some personal perspective. But after that, I have no, we may have a topic we're going to start with. We may have a kind of a general idea. Yeah. But I have no, I have no notes. I have no questions that I have to ask. Um, maybe for a couple of books here and there, I may just have some, mm-hmm. some lines just because I want to help promote their book a little bit. Um, sure. But all that's somewhat intentional. But, but even sometimes then I'll tie in a different, to your point, you kind of listen and let, and so far, Zero issues filling up time and zero issues no. having, yeah. having, having an opera, having a need to, well, what are we talking about now? Uh, what do you think, <laughs> you know, who's going to win? You know, who's, I don't even you know, know who, what that means. 
<laughs> right, right, right. Typically, I'm looking at the clock, going, "All right, all right, we could." We haven't even, and then I always say, especially for people that haven't been on pods before, yeah, uh, they'll get nervous, like, oh, "I don't know if I have enough to say," and I'll be like, "Well, we're an hour twenty in," uh, and yeah. like, "What? Huh? Like we?" <laughs> Did we, I mean, did we start? <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I yeah. think it, it is. It's kind of this um, podcast and talking to people can be a very transformative flow based moment. That's why I like doing longer things, because I feel like at some point you lose time dilation starts to occur. So it's it's an incredible power. There's a lot of science in it. it's incredible, whether you talk about time dilation near a black hole or you talk about. It, here on earth where you talk about flow and the state where an athlete feels like they can't miss you can you can have that same time dilation in a conversation with somebody where all of a sudden 30 minutes went by and you don't know how that happened but you became immersed in this conversation that created this meditative state when i talk to somebody and we're in these hour hour plus conversations to me it's meditation now, the world doesn't say that. The world says meditation is you sit in a room with a bunch of other people or you listen to something on your phone and somebody tells you these words in your ear, your AirPods, and you relax and you, you, get, you, know, you put your feet together, right? You put your hands out. And I challenge that. I said, yes, that is, I believe that is also true. But I also believe meditation can also be happening while you're doing something, actively doing it, in a sense. So we're having a conversation this is meditation, an mm. ongoing stream of consciousness where you lose track of the time. What, so the podcast, you're doing meditation when you come on here, whether yeah. you know it or not. You know? Yeah, I, I remember the first time I was a guest, uh, got done, my buddy uh, Rob Garza's podcast. And I just, you know, there is, there's a euphoria. There's a, uh, it's therapeutic. It's, and it's not because it's self-serving. And I hope people don't get that impression that's, and that's why I think it's so awesome to interview anybody. That's why I love your format yes. of kind of giving anybody a shot. Like, hey, anybody. to your point. Right. And, and, and so far, right, so far, I don't want to say that success is always a loaded word, but I would argue that they've, all been, they've all been successful because like you were telling me about Gary and how that how it does afterwards that he's – and I've had that experience too, so that's why I knew you were telling the truth for lack of a better – you know, for whatever that's worth. Coming off that lens is like, Dude, like, I don't even know, like, yeah, that may help a lot of people, but he's going, dude, this helped me. He's like, he's like, yeah. wow. Like, okay. Okay. <laughs> he, he said, he told a friend of his, it was a friend of mine that it helped heal part of him doing that. I don't even think he knew that was, what was going to happen again. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know what happens? It's yeah. okay. Like you tell your story. He's told that story so many times, but maybe one time you tell it, it's very different. It could feel extremely different. I'm not saying that I went, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get Gary to tell me the story and I'm going to be the one that breaks the dam. That really, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think about myself that way. But I do know that he told his friend who then told me that it was like, it was extremely powerful and it healed part of himself. Yeah. Oh, whoa. One per one time. It's kind of like, I like the Avengers in the Marvel movies. When Doctor Strange looks at Tony Stark, one just yeah. this is the one time out of 14 million scenarios, whatever it is, just takes that one time. Maybe that was the one time he needed to really create that on that level. I don't know whether yeah. it, and if it didn't, that's OK. Right. <laughs> so too, right. You know? right. And that, and that thing that's a beauty for the podcasting world is that that one, maybe somebody listening that maybe that guy who's yes. I mean, one of the beautiful things about 
uh, Gary's story that I thought you did such a great job of, you know, just helping along, tempering it, tempering it, you know, kind of allowing for it to, to expose itself, but give it, you know, give it some, some guidance and really explore and push and pull where it needed to get some marrow out of it was it allowed him the, the comfort to say, you know, Hey Darian, I was, I was doing this because I wanted to get a bunch of likes. Yeah. You know, I wanted to get, I wanted to light up social media and show all the people how awesome I was. I could get gratification two, three, 4,000 likes shared on, you know, I'm gonna get a book deal and people are going to call me. I'm gonna be on television. (laughs) Isn't that great? And and I get honest. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and I get that. And it is, it's like, it's, it's, and I think being that honest and saying it's okay with wanting that. I mean, and that does happen to people and that does. uh, And I think we're, kind of in that vein is that how many other Gary's are there out there that have been doing yes. this wanting that that haven't had that epiphany that he had the the self-realization to go oh man uh okay so that missed but why instead of it's very easy yeah. to say well it's because all those same people are just pieces of you know what right they're yep. just not so that it's still them they're the problem versus what am I what am I doing you know you know what yeah. am I what am I doing? And then you know, you're asking about the, you know, the addiction, the addictive personality. You're asking him so these yeah. questions that, that make him kind of, you know, all right, let me help reveal. And and then you know, just the the way he answered those kinds of questions too, which weren't your typical, um, uh, you know, responses. That again, yes. as I'm sitting there listening, going, okay, all right, how does that challenge me? Cool. Uh, and, and cool may not be the right word, but to your point, like the meditative side, like okay, I have to put this somewhere and I have to file this away, and I can't. Now this is one of those little voices, you know, Gary's voice, your voice is in my head as, as I'm experiencing these other things in life about this, you know, when you start giving absolutes or you start saying things are a certain way and you start to be, well, this never, or this always. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, not always, you know, not, not always, always, not, not always. always. And, 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 and that's okay. And then how, okay, now, now what do we do with this energy? What do we do with this, this beautiful story and how can, and what is he going to do with it? And what am I going to do with it? What right. are you going to do with it? Now you go sit down with your wife and kiddos and you're like, let me tell you, let me tell you a story. Right. And then this is, yes. And this, but these are the things we've been doing that, that I think a little bit of science has taken away, um, by making it so kind of like fitting into a box of explanations of, right. You know, uh, you know, let me tell you a story versus, you know, let me read you a research paper. Or let me read you. A, <laughs> yeah. you know, is, is, is it, and look, and I like the other stuff too, but I think those things, yeah, you, me need, too. you need to, how do you, how do you, bring it into the world, which goes back to what we're talking about things at the very beginning a little bit, being, you know, being what you believe out to people that that's, that's what the world needs. And they don't need to be convinced. They don't need to be argued into the, into the ground. Right. Uh, I just haven't seen that work really, really well. You can get them for a little while. You can you get, can them, get you know, them for you, a little while. You, you can get them. And then all of a sudden they're going to be like, why am I here? And like, what is, Oh, Oh yeah. And then it doesn't stick. It's not, it's not in yeah. here. Yeah. Right. Totally agree. Well, Sean, you know what? I, I had an idea, man. You know what? We, we got a series going on here, this meditative conversational series. I got, a, I don't know. I got a sense about you. <laughs> I just, I'm a very like intuitive person with people. I like when I talk to somebody, I'm not somebody who thinks, oh, okay, here's just another podcast. And we're going to do another one. Certain ones throw me a little bit more. I don't know if you ever feel that, but like this one <laughs> threw me, this one threw me a little bit more in a, and a more of like, I want to follow up on this because I feel like our conversation is just a stream of consciousness that could be come back to like literally pick up and like, okay, part two next time, you know, and then move on. 
And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that I'm getting that sense from our yeah. conversation. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, if you don't feel that way, totally fine. <laughs> but no, no I've, you know. I felt this, I mean, to be honest with you, and it's kind of what I was, I think I mentioned it to you a little bit, um, with, with our history, where our pat, where our pods yeah. are. And I know there may be people out there who are getting maybe a little tired of hearing that word, uh, bear with us a little bit. Um, yeah. Because that's just a, a word to describe this stream of consciousness you're talking about, yeah. Which has really been around even before podcasts. It was fables. It was uh, yeah. stories around the campfire. These are the things that we've done: lore, legend, myth, true myth. These these are those things that happen, right? That we, yeah. we put out there. And so, you know, when you're when you were talking about where you were and how you how many people you talked to and the way you were talking to them, uh, I yeah. mean, to me, that's it's it's very synergistic. Because to your point, I, I mean, I. I sit here and look at all my podcast episodes and the people and the conversations. And yeah, even, even the ones I thought were going to go a certain way. Right. Yeah. But when that a lot of them don't, be, and you're just like, wow. Okay. Well, uh, what do I do with that? And this is, this what is do I more, do with that? Yeah. this isn't just a, hey, I know we keep coming back to Gary. I know he's going to be excited. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> he's getting a lot of publicity. Yeah. He <laughs> is, it, yeah people are like, we got to check out this Gary guy. This Gary and, guy story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen Weird Science way back in the day? Oh, I love that movie. Who, love who is this Gary guy? Yeah, so, remember, exactly. yeah, remember the dad? Yeah. 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 So, so when, when he was, you know, your point about, you know, he just, he just didn't, you know, the revelation and the, and the, you, know, you had no idea which way it was going to go. You had no idea what, what it was going to mean. You, and his ability, and his, just forth being forthright about his experience around the, some of these some of these uh, accolades or accomplishments that were supposed to bring happiness and joy did not. Right. You know what what do you do with that? And until you sit down with somebody and and allow them to to to, to kind of give them that moment. And I also think what this medium allows us to do. There are so many people out there that are worth listening to. They really really That's are. Totally true. And so, that's totally true. And they might, they may not think they are, but I like to give them the opportunity to show that they're worth it and to talk. So, Sean, I appreciate it, man. I got to run. Yeah, but you're too. the man, man. We got to connect back on this and certainly come to the table again. Let's do it. No, and, we'll flip uh, it. We'll, we'll keep it going. We can, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, yeah, because there's so many parts of your world. And no, we're it's a date, man. We're in. I'm with you, bro. Yeah, I man. feel I feel what you're doing. Uh, I want nothing but the best. I love listening to you now. It's all. It's Thank in my. You, man. It's in my queue. Like I told you that morning, I, love I, woke it. Up, I was just like, oh, thank you for sticking this one through. This was amazing. You're doing beautiful awesome. things, man. You're doing thank beautiful you. Things. You too as well. Appreciate it, Sean. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean McCoy. Appreciate it. <laughs> Next time, man. All right, brother. All, All right, right, take later. care. All right, bye.